What's going on, guys? It's Brent with the FSA Podcast, where we teach online health coaches how to sell at a higher rate and scale their businesses with more profit. Today, I'm joined by Amanda Hankwish. She is a 15-year professional in the financial market. Uh, she is a wife, a mother of three, and she is a co-founder next to her husband for the Fit Wealth Advisors. And uh, basically what they do is they help high-income, high-earning individuals create long-term sustainable income. Is that right? Yeah, long-term lasting wealth. Yes, there yes, sir. Beautiful. All right, guys, if you guys are just tuning in, if you're new to the channel, if this is your first time listening to the FSA podcast, go ahead and do me a favor, hit that like and subscribe button, share with a friend. We teach business owners how to create sustainable businesses, right? Where we actually put together the business model that's custom to you, it's profitable, and it's going to help you make anywhere from a hundred to $500,000 per year with a small team, we shoot for five or less. We don't like big, bulky, ugly teams or uh, nasty systems. We like to keep it small and efficient. So if that is interesting to you, go ahead and like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Tell me, Brent, thanks so much. In your experience, right, 15 years in the financial space, that's a long time. <laughs> What is the number yes. one mistake you see fit pros make when it comes to managing their finances? Yeah. So this question, uh, right off the bat, it's that they don't separate their finances. Um, mm. Therefore, they don't pay themselves first, or at least it doesn't feel or appear to, to be that way. Um, and as you said, we like to create lasting wealth. A lot of us work for ourselves. We don't have an employer um, contributing to a, something like a 401k that we can, you know, have this whole word of retirement off of. Well, without yeah. laying down the groundwork, um, we really can't foresee, you know, that long-term future in front of us. And so in order mm -hmm. to do that, yeah, we have to lay out this foundation. And the very first um, I guess you would say step in laying this foundation is to separate our finances. Interesting. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so it's really that basic. It's having a business account, which a lot of people out there are like, oh, I have that. I have a business account. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, um, making sure that all of our business revenue coming in, whether that's from Stripe or however you collect your money from your clients, it's coming in, it's going into that business account. It's not going into our personal account, right? right. And then all of that money that we are paying um, out of that revenue or out of that business money is not personal from that business account. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does make sense. So, so just to break it down even more granular than that, how do you determine yeah. what's yours and what's the business? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. So first of all, I think that we need to um, consider what does the IRS call a business expense or a business write-off? And the IRS <laughs> defines that as anything that is ordinary and necessary for our business, for the operation of our business. Anything ordinary and necessary. Does that mean that I can buy all of my groceries out of my business? Yeah. Probably not. But does that mean that I'm going to show and display a grocery haul or I'm going to do a cooking workshop? And so those are some of the groceries and items that I can pay for out of my business. Absolutely. Smart. So you're telling me, uh, I, I, I see this on TikTok all the time. So maybe we can put this to rest. Uh, you get a G wagon because it's uh, above a certain threshold for weight. You're telling me I couldn't write that off my online <laughs> coaching business. Yeah. So, so now we're getting into tax planning. So that's oh a completely different situation right. than, than talking about, you know, deductions and write-offs and things of that okay. sort. So what I'm you're getting talking ahead of about, myself, <laughs> that's 
like what I like to call the icing on the cake. So we're just at the foundation. We're just laying down that first base layer of cake right now. And once we get to talking about the icing on top, that's when we're going to start talking about, you know, depreciating assets and things of that nature. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So back, back where we're, we're at the base layer of the pan. Okay. Yes. So we're, we're separating, um, anything that is, what was the verbiage that you used necessary and, uh, ordinary. ordinary. Yep. Ordinary okay. necessary for our business. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And so yep. once we, how do you, how do you recommend that they categorize those? Is this a, like a QuickBooks thing or yeah, hiring a professional? So- So I think that depends on where you're at in your business. So I think if you're just starting out, you're just trying to get things figured out, I think it's really important to use an Excel spreadsheet. So I was in, I've been in the financial world for a long time. (laughs) I will let you guys just guess my age. We'll just leave it at that. Um, But (laughs) for a long time. And when I first started my business, I had uh, multiple, you know, um, years of experience where I just used an Excel spreadsheet to track everything. Mm -hmm. And um, you can download free spreadsheets. But if that completely freaks you out, you can utilize an online software like something called Wave. Um, you know, that's a good software to use to be able just to track those expenses. The important thing is, is that we're tracking our expenses so that we mm-hmm. have information to use. This is the whole knowing your numbers part. There's, yep. there's the metric of knowing our numbers, like, uh, what's my email conversion rate? You know, what are my numbers for podcast listeners and converting into, you know, calls to action, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. when we're actually talking about our knowing our numbers, we're talking about our financial statements, like our income statement, like our profit loss. How much money mm-hmm. are we keeping versus how much money are we spending? And those are really important numbers to know as well. And we can't really know those if we're not tracking any of those expenses. Oh, you're speaking to my soul here. That is uh <laughs> Any long-term listeners of the podcast have seen my face probably turn blue uh, to talking about tracking your numbers and your KPIs. So you said Wave, W-A-V-E. Is that the, yeah. the, the payment processor company or is that different from them? So yes, it can be utilized as a payment processing company, but they also track your expenses for you. You can upload your receipts, you can, uh, you know, connect your bank account, and then it can come up with financial statements for you. I think you can even hire bookkeepers from them directly. A lot of cool things you can do with that software. Um, I do always like to warn people, though, if you intend on scaling, building out a team, um, having payroll, um, switching over to that S Corp. Again, another tax strategy that's at a different layer of this cake that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, then those are some of the things that you might want to move over to a company like QuickBooks, um, because mm-hmm. at some point, if you're going to scale, you're going to want to outsource this side of your business. And then in order to outsource, you're not going to be able to use the company wave and Mm -hmm. wave also does not convert to QuickBooks. So you have to journal entry that information over. So it just kind of depends on where you're at and where you want to go. Yeah. That's where we we recommended wave to everyone, uh, in the beginning. And then for Mm -hmm. just a few reasons, I still like them as a company, but, uh, I don't believe they have open API. So like you can't put it into like a funnel or like a checkout. Like it's really hard to like use their links. Then the other thing, and, and I'd be curious to know, like if you've seen this with your clients, but in fitness occasionally, right. It's like a, it's like a higher attrition, um, industry. So -hmm. like if somebody files a chargeback, Wave, I've never seen Stripe do it, but Wave 
can and they will occasionally just shut your entire company down. Have you seen this? I have not seen this, but I have definitely seen the chargebacks come just straight out of your account because of an unsatisfied customer complaint or something of that sort. Yeah. We've seen it a good handful of times. It was in like, uh, it was in like a cluster. So I'm Mm. like, okay, we're done. We don't endorse those guys anymore. Uh, Go back (laughs) to everyone go to Stripe. Um, But basically, yeah, it was like if, if your account got flagged with like a chargeback or if you had like two back to back, they would mark your account uh, as like, you know, flagged and people couldn't get any types of payments. So like multiple coaches were having to contact every single client get them on a call, get their card info, put it into Stripe and then cancel. It was a disaster. So don't want to talk bad about the the company because it wasn't like a common thing, but it happened in a cluster to where I'm like, I can't trust it anymore. Yeah. Anytime something is like weighing on your entire operation, the well-being of your whole operation, it is very important that it works in your favor. So absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good for, for who it's for, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know that there's a lot of other more professional options out there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love the service too, because it's so user-friendly. Stripe can be so confusing. Like I've used it for three years and I still get in there. I'm like, I got to YouTube this. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) Wave is is very user-friendly, like the front facing, but Regardless, different topic, different day. Okay, so we're, we're at the base layer. We're separating our expenses. Um, we have a spreadsheet, by the way. Um, is there a spreadsheet or do you, um, this is this is your uh, chance to do like a CTA if you have like a spreadsheet that you, you wanna give out or do you have one you recommend? Yeah, so I actually do have um, a mini course that I have put together. Okay. that um, I will work with you on the back end, maybe give you a direct link that you can use for sure. um, anybody that reaches out to you. And I have um, free links that they can download. Um, they can also go to quickbooks.com and there's spreadsheets there. They're a little tricky to find, um, but there's um, there's spreadsheets there that they can download for free as well. Very cool. So guys, if you're interested in that, what I'll do is I'll, I'll connect with Amanda after the, the show here and I'll get a link, put it in the uh, description. So you should see it in the description below by the time this episode is out. Awesome. We appreciate that. So layer number two, where we've separated the expenses, we're tracking these things. We're, we're a real business at this point. What's next? Yeah, we're real business at this point. So I think it's really important to figure out where do you need to set your budget? So what I like to say is it's, it's when you're at this building phase of our business, we don't, you know, we're not at this grown up phase quite yet. We're, we're not quite mature. We really need to be connected personally with the money that we're spending because it gets way too easy for that money to get out of control. For some reason, it's easier to spend it out of our business than it is to spend it out of our personal pocket. And so I think it's important to understand what do I need to make? to pay my bills at home. Mm -hmm. And from there, then I need to pay myself first from my business. And so does that mean that we need to maybe hold our funds in Stripe or whatever you're using and then transfer them over to our bank account so that we're not getting these, you know, daily pockets of money that are difficult to keep track of? Mm -hmm. Um, Are we moving that money over on the first and then on the fifth of every month, I'm giving myself a paycheck, so to speak, 
over to my personal bank account to pay my personal bills from. Mm -hmm. This is going to help us create structure, help us really feel like we're getting a paycheck from our business and giving ourselves a paycheck first versus waiting until all the bills are paid. And then hmm, there's not really much left for me to pay myself. Yeah. Such... So do you operate, uh, maybe this is a silly, I, I know this is like as vanilla as it gets, um, but like profit first, the book, um, is that kind of the mentality that you guys use? Yeah. So Mike McCallowitz wrote the profit first book. It's a great read, but for mm-hmm. new business owners, it can get very overwhelming because it's, mm-hmm. it's big. It's a, there's a lot in there. And yeah. so what we've found, especially in the health and fitness industry is you guys run at like light speed. There's so much going on all the time. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like your finances, you're drinking from a fire hose, you're not going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to what will I do? And so there's three primary accounts from, I guess, a spinoff of that profit first model that I really like to implement. And those three bank accounts that I would highly recommend for everybody would be the number one is an operation account. We call it an OPEX Mm -hmm. because all of your business operating expenses and revenue are going to flow in and out of that account. That's just going to be a standard business checking account. So is that what you would connect to Stripe then for your payouts to kind of enter the first layer there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And then the second account is going to be your tax account. This is going to be a business savings account. Now, if you are an LLC, you're going to want to save about 15% of your revenue in this tax account. Um, Again, if you are a W-2 employee, you're working for a Fortune 500 firm, they're taking those taxes out of your paycheck before you get them. They're withholding for you, Mm -hmm. right? And then you go to your CPA and they file them and then maybe you get a return, This doesn't happen for you as a business owner. You have to be that, so to speak, W-2 employer for yourself. And so we have to set aside some money for taxes. Nobody's ever been upset with me because I've told them to save too much for taxes, right? right? And so this is one of those things. If you can get into a habit of that, and I know what you're thinking, like 15%, I don't know where that's going to come from. Okay, let's start with 5%. Let's start with $100 if that's what we have to start with right now. The point is, is we need to try to get there so that this becomes a habit in our business for saving for taxes because that Mm -hmm. money is technically not our money, right? It's it's the IRS's money. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then that third account is a profit account. This is the account that I really like because not only are we going to build up our emergency fund in there, for three mm-hmm. to six months of operating expenses in case a launch doesn't go as planned, in case we need to take some time off of work, um, mm-hmm. in case, you know, just life happens, right? So it's good to start building up an emergency reserve fund. And from there, then this profit account can help you expand in your business. Do you want to start building out teams? Is there a marketing campaign that mm-hmm. you want to implement next quarter? Um, is there a mentor that you have a goal of hiring in the future, right? So there's some cool things here that you can do with this profit account. And also it's kind of a buffer too. So if you need to pull Mm -hmm. from it, you sure can. And we recommend about 5% of your revenue going into this account. 5%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So basically you have three layers. I'm just going to summarize this. You tell me if I've, if I've got it. 
Yeah. You've got your Stripe accounts connected to your OPEX, right? Operating yep. expenses. That's that's layer one up here. Uh, what makes it out of that? Now, you're saying 15%. That's 15% from the top line from Stripe, right. not from what makes it uh, remaining right. from your OPEX. Okay. Right. So if yep. we have... 10,000, right? We're going to, that 10,000 is going to go into OPEX, 15%. Mm -hmm. So 1,500 will go into the next account. And then whatever's left over from the 85 remaining in that top one, uh, at least 5% of that should try to go towards the, the, the profit account. Yeah. Yes. So you're going to have, yep. So you're going to have 80% mm -hmm. left to run your operation, to pay yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. we're going to pay ourselves a paycheck as well. You're going to have 80% of your revenue for all the other things. I see what you mean now. That's where I was a little, I, I thought the 5% on the profit was a little light, but you're paying yourself yep. from the OPEX account as well. Yes. yes. I see. I see. That makes more sense. I was like, hmm. Uh, all right. That makes a, <laughs> a lot more sense. So with the OPEX account, um, now do you recommend what I use, I don't know if you and I chatted about this the last time we spoke. Um, I use an app called Wealthfront, uh, which okay. is just like a, a money market account. It's at 5%. Sure. Um, I try not to keep anything in those accounts because if I can get 5%, of course, that's that's better. Do you recommend anything like that? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you're referring to is like a high yield savings account type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. So anything with... Um, three to six months of emergency reserves, you want to make sure you can access that money within a week. So you don't mm -hmm. want to be putting it into something that is going to take longer than a week to get sure. to. Same thing with your tax, because essentially you're going to need to be t paying quarterly taxes. And if it mm -hmm. takes longer than a week to access that money, then we're going to start getting in trouble with fines and penalties and things like sure. that. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Okay. All right. I feel like I have a good vision now for these guys. <laughs> now, you just mentioned something that I think is, is very important. I think it gets overlooked and that's those quarterly tax payments. Tell us yeah. about those. Yeah. So everybody owes taxes oh, and God it's bless. tax time. Right. And, yeah. and I, uh, a couple of years ago, I did a funny reel about, um, I was sitting in my basement with piles of receipts going through them. And then it was like when that thing was really popular where the music screeched to a halt and you put your hand in front of the camera and then it skips yeah. to the good part. Yeah, yeah. And then it and wait, nothing happened. You know, that yeah. was like my version of, of hell week, right? As a business <laughs> owner, like you're going yeah. through these, these receipts, you're trying to come up with all these write offs to lower your tax bill, but yeah. wait, nothing happened. It didn't do it by itself. It's and so the, yeah, so I call that hell week. And that was a real thing. I used to put myself through that. Yeah. Well, as a business owner, it really is important that you get ahead of the game with this because if mm -hmm. we're waiting until April 15th to pay our taxes, we're already late. That's our first quarter for 24 that's due. Exactly. Right? So, so our 23 taxes should have already been paid. Our estimates for those should have already been paid. And mm -hmm. then April 15th is when we're going to reassess what those actual numbers are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really important that we at least get our head out of the sand because I think mm -hmm. if people people have there's for some reason there's this mentality of like if I just stick my head in the sand it's gonna go away yeah just don't the, look <laughs> just just don't look <laughs> yeah but if if the sooner we can bring light to that lay it all out okay mm -hmm. it sucks but let's figure out what we have to do and start mm. creating a plan to work our way towards it the faster that we can get our a handle on this. 
I think it just relieves stress too. Like, yeah. So you you usually recommend paying your your Q4 taxes like early mid December. So those are going to be due by January 15th or January 17th or whatever that okay. day is. So mm -hmm. what, whatever that looks like for you, for you to, mm -hmm. to make sure you get that completed and get that done. Yeah. Um, it's best. Anything is always best to have a process of consistency. So sure. whether that's the first of every month or, or whatever that is for you, but that's why, mm -hmm. again, it goes back to making sure you can get that money out of your, your tax account easily mm -hmm. so that you can get those quarterly payments brought in those estimates. 100%. And I gotta yeah. tell you, it feels good. Like I know there's like the allure of like January 1st, new year, fresh, new goals. Like I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to clean everything up. I'm going to crush it this year. That's great. Um, yeah. but it doesn't feel as great if you're going into the new year with, with technically debt, right? Like you're, you, yeah. if you haven't paid your Q4 taxes, like you said, you're starting negative. You're starting the year negative and I don't feel like that's a very strong way to start anything. So yep. honestly, it's, it's such a stress relief just getting that paid and then entering the new year with like a completely clean, fresh slate. Um, yeah, I, wasn't I think anytime quite... we're, I oh. think anytime we're emotionally held back, whether that's like, I'm sick about this tax thing. I don't know what to do or financially, mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill or I have credit card debt. I think or whatever that is, or maybe there's a difficult conversation you're putting off and needing to just have. I think mm -hmm. whatever that is, anytime we're emotionally weighed down, we can't do our best work. We don't have our best clarity to do what we do best. And so it's one of those things where if this is something that you keep putting off and it's just better off that you hire a company, even if you're not quite financially there yet, then just hire that company because it's better off than being constantly weighed down and, mm -hmm. and not doing your best work anyways. Is there an income level recommendation that you, you, you recommend people get to before they outsource? Yeah. So a, a full service accounting firm is going to cost a minimum of $700 a month. So mm -hmm. that's, 72 that's between seven thousand and eight thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. and so you i mean honestly you want to make sure typically it's ten thousand plus so ten thousand usually is mm -hmm. the minimum per month of yeah. revenue coming in before it even makes really sense to hire that out sure. but again it's dependent on your situation if it's holding you back and it's a situation where if you've just got it taken care of and it's mm -hmm. preventing you from making $15,000 a month because you're so worried about it all the time, then just hire it out. I get that. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, I think 10,000 is a good threshold for that because you're probably, at least some of it's going to be offset with like the tax savings and whatever planning that they're doing for you. Um, or if you are at 10,000, you're like, ah, 700 sounds like a lot. It's like, it might be, but you also might have some holes in your business that need patched. Yeah. You might have a spending problem that you, you may be not acknowledging that they can address. I think it was one of the, my absolute favorite things uh, that I'd done in my business. Uh, I did it pretty early. I think as soon as I hit that 10K mark, like I, I outsourced it, it is 700 bucks a month for what, uh, what I pay. So you hit that spot on. And I don't have to do those, um, what are they called? Um, and QuickBooks each month where you have to balance everything out and it's got to equal zero. Uh, and if it doesn't equal zero, yeah, <laughs> oh my God, that would take me so long. 
and I would always miss something yeah. and I'd go back to YouTube and it's just like outsourcing for the $700 a month for the time I get back for the stress relief. It's such a no brainer. Like I would yeah. never even consider going away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So an accounting firm or a CPA is always my first recommendation for your professional financial hire. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is they're going to take that headache off of your shoulders for you. And this is not a, I guess, affiliation or go out and hire somebody now, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But it's more of a, the numbers are so important in your business that it's important that you, if you're not going to do it, that you have somebody do it for you. Maybe you mm -hmm. even need to just hire a virtual bookkeeper for the time being, right? Maybe yep. that's enough. Somebody that's two, $300 a month that can do yep. that part at least for you. Um, you know, and then you go to an enrolled agent type of like, that's like an H and R block or somebody that you go to your local Walmart or whatever that files your taxes <laughs> for you. Right. Maybe yeah. you could do that as a less expensive, if you're not quite to that $10,000 a month mark yet, mm -hmm. but, I also believe in opportunity cost as well. I mm -hmm. think sometimes as an entrepreneur, we um, forget that what makes a really good CEO is somebody that has worn a lot of hats mm -hmm. and they have learned how to do a lot of that work by bootstrapping, right? A lot of us yeah. are bootstrappers and having to YouTube something and having to force yeah. yourself to just figure it out. That's how we learn how to figure out our numbers and if we're doing things wrong or if we're doing things right. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think there's um, an important learning curve in doing it yourself for a little while at first. Yeah. Um, but then eventually, yeah, I think it's important to hire it out if it is a huge, scary thing. And you're like, I'm just going to do everything wrong. And maybe I just need to have somebody else do exactly. it. Exactly. Just that peace of yeah. mind. It's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know, the, the pe a peace of mind because it it's just so valuable for me just not having to stress about it um so i agree 100 percent. it's just nice too to have i don't know if i don't even know if i technically pay for this part as my service but like with the with the firm that we have um i i'll ask him like i asked him uh, i wanted a rolex i was like hey um can i buy this <laughs> he's like yeah you can buy it um but like it's just like having that like that feedback loop where I'm like, am I being an idiot? And he's like, no, you're good. We had a good month. You can get it. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I, I'm someone who wears a lot of guilt. Like if I get something yeah. for myself, uh, if I'm not in like investing into the business or um, something else, then I feel really guilty. So it was, for me, it was just really nice to be able to, like, to just have someone be like, no, you're not, uh, <laughs> you're not gonna um, blow your money. You're doing okay. And I was like, yeah. yes. And I think right. you bring up an important point too, because I feel like financial professionals get this almost bad rap that we're never going to want you to buy things for yourself mm -hmm. or do, you know, fun things. Cause we're always so worried about money. And, but you know, we've, we've helped clients plan buying, um, you know, vehicles for themselves because it's and their dream better? car. And it's, yeah. and it's not like they could use it for their business by any means. It's a personal <laughs> asset, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and so I think it's important to know, like, why not, um, bring those goals up to your financial team because they want you to meet those goals. If that's a mm -hmm. goal of yours, great. If it's just a, you know, woke up one day and thought I'm going to go buy this without any thought behind it, that's completely different. But yeah, sure. if it's a goal that you've had, you know, go for it. Let's work a plan mm -hmm. out to be able to, to fulfill that goal. That's what we want for you. Yeah. Love that. It's just, uh, just having really, really smart people in your circle just yeah. helps with everything. I dig that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 
so we've got the business. We've got the, we paid our quarterly taxes. We're, we're up to date on that. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. So I get a lot of questions about the whole S Corp LLC thing. And so I thought we could go ahead and tackle that question on yeah, when should I do an LLC? Point. When should I do an S Corp? All of those mm -hmm. things. And so, um, so first of all, we've separated our finances. We've paid mm -hmm. ourselves first. We've opened up our three bank accounts. We're saving for taxes. We're saving for profit. And we want to expand our business. And we have income that is... Um, causing a profit, which is a good thing. I think as business owners, we sometimes forget that it's a good thing to have a profitable business, right? And mm -hmm. um, what do we do when we have a profitable business? We owe some taxes. Mm -hmm. One of the things though, is that we don't wanna leave the IRS a tip, right? If we don't have to, we wanna pay only what we absolutely have to pay. And so one of the simplest tax strategies there are out there is this thing called an S-Corp. And I think it gets kind of thrown around, but I, I think it's important to enlighten everybody on why somebody would actually get an S-Corp. Mm -hmm. If I'm an LLC, why would I get an S-Corp? Why would I get a C-Corp? Why would I do a partnership? Why not just say a sole proprietor? Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's really important to break those down so people understand what they're spending their money on and what they're getting into. Sure. And so an, a sole proprietorship is simply just somebody that decides to do business, whether that's a side hustle or whatever, and they simply want to not have to, you know, put their social security number on their legal paperwork. Mm -hmm. And so a sole proprietorship gives you an EIN number, an employer identification number that you can then put on all of your paperwork. Now, if you're somebody that is starting to make some money, maybe you have assets to protect. Mm -hmm. and you need to draw a line in the sand between you personally and your business, you're going to want to do something called an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation. This has nothing to do with taxes whatsoever. This is simply just going to provide a barrier between you personally and your business. So something goes bad in your business, you can cut that off from yourself. And so your mm -hmm. personal assets are not affected if something goes bad. So now okay, I'm starting to make quite a bit of money and I'm paying this employment tax of 15.3%. It's called FICA, right? And I'm paying it on all of my money, on all of my money that mm -hmm. I'm you know, making in my business. And so what uh, the S Corp is going to do is it's going to make you an employee of your business. And so employees are required to pay 15.3% that FICA tax, but the rest of the entity is not required to pay that. And so that is why you're going to create that savings there is because you're splitting how much of that 15.3% is being mm -hmm. charged. Does that make sense? Yep. So basically um, what you're doing and again, I'm just going to paraphrase uh, and dumb it down uh, as much as I can because uh, to make it make sense. So basically, yeah. you have an LLC, you switch to an S Corp. Okay. Now that we're an S Corp, you become an employee of your own business, right? Yes. So then you give yourself a salary, let's say 50000 and you're only paying the 15% on the 50000 as opposed to if the business did 300000 you're not paying it on the 300000 you're paying it on fifty. 
That's correct. Have I got that uh, right. Yes. Perfect. Yes, that's correct. And now everybody's saying, well, why wouldn't I do this right away? Because mm -hmm. there are costs involved when it comes to payroll. Now we have to um, file payroll. We have to file a quarterly uh, payroll returns. We have to pay mm -hmm. our accountant for uh, another uh, form that he has to file for us. It mm -hmm. costs more to run payroll. Now we're like a real big kid business at this point and there's extra costs involved. And mm -hmm. so um, we also have to hire an attorney. I never recommend anybody unless you have legal experience filing your own S Corp. There's a lot to it that we yeah, don't that realize. Messy. <laughs> and so um, an S Corp is a real deal now, right? And so we mm -hmm. can't just go on YouTube as much as we want to. I'm definitely a YouTuber myself. Yeah. Um, you know, we like to figure stuff out, but this is not one of those things. And so mm -hmm. we have to be ready to hire that CPA team if we're going mm -hmm. to the S Corp level. We have to be utilizing uh, ourselves as a W-2 employee, right? We have to be on mm -hmm. payroll. And um, if you're not, we need to get that figured out right away because then we're sure. going to get in a real big mess with the IRS. And so there's just a lot more to it at that point. And so if you're not ready to incur the extra 8,000-ish dollars a year it costs, to mm -hmm. offset all of the uh, headache that comes along with it, then we're mm -hmm. not ready to go down that uh, uh, S Corp route. That's, you explained that so well. So I appreciate that. Now, what's the break even point, right? Because you're incurring extra costs, but then obviously the tax savings are going to, uh, have you found that income break even point? Generally speaking, I know there's not just like one number. Yeah. Um, like when does it make sense generally to go to an S Corp? Yeah. I'm glad that you prefaced with there's not just one number because you're absolutely right. Everybody's situation is so different, mm -hmm. but we typically find when somebody is making a minimum of $50,000 in profit, not revenue, mm -hmm. you could be a million dollar business, but if you have zero profit, it's not going to make sense for you. Yeah. So at least $50,000 in profit for this to make sense. Mm-hmm. That's annually, right? Yeah. Okay. So 50,000 yep. annually. Um, and, and when you say profit, just to get super granular, that's not top line. That's after operating expenses, everything. This is like what you put away in the bank and that, and that, uh, like in that year, is that right? Yep. That's net profit. Yes. Beautiful. All right. So now we're an S Corp. We have ourselves as a W2 employee. Now, does that mean that everyone else on our team has to be a W-2 employee or can they still be 1099? Nope, they can be 1099. You are in charge of that. In fact, um, I'm in the process. That'll be one of our um, resource guides, I guess, that comes along later, um, mm -hmm. probably in the third quarter. I, I have a material that talks about the difference between W-2 and 1099 when mm -hmm. we would want to hire one versus the other. There's a huge difference there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's pros and cons to either way. But yeah, we, you can keep them as 1099. You can keep yourself as W-2. You can keep a mm -hmm. spouse 1099 or W-2. Totally doesn't nice. matter. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So yeah, I think, what is it, uh, 23. So the beginning of 23, we switched to an S-Corp. Um, so this was our first official filing year for the S-Corp. So yeah. um, a lot of this is uh, even a good refresher for me. I'm excited to see the tax benefits, like when it all boils yeah. down to see like what it really did. So 
uh, TBD on that. Now, when you're determining what to pay yourself, that's going to be something your CPA is going to go over with the individual, right? Yeah. Is there an amount that you recommend starting or can it be as low as a certain amount or as high as a certain amount? It's totally going to depend because again, it goes back to your situation and what your overall profit number is. If Mm -hmm. you know, because eventually you're going to get to the point where you want to start giving yourself an even higher W2 so that -hmm. you can make higher contributions to some of your retirement accounts. And so there's always different caveats there that are involved. Yeah. Yeah. Every situation is so different. My brain, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm decent with this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I've got a, a pretty decent grasp on everything, but when I put my, um, <laughs> my like wealth advisor, uh, there, so there's two of them. So I put them and then my CPA and then me all on a call and they were just going and like, yep. Speaking a different language. <laughs> and I was just like, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. I'm like, Oh God. I was like, I thought I knew something. It turns out <laughs> I, I left that call. I'm like, I am going to take a nap. Um, so no, you do well, you do really well. You have a, you have a lot of this down. I'm telling you, you do a really good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, okay. So we're paying ourselves. We have a salary. We have the S corp. Now you mentioned tax savings or uh, a retirement, uh, which I think is a really, really good, um, I don't know if it's icing on the cake, but I think we're getting there, right? We're getting close to the icing. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So tell us a little bit about those, uh, those investment strategies for, for retirement, uh, while having an S corp or LLC. Yeah. So, so that's the icing that's going to be closer to the icing on the cake. So like I said, your CPA, your tax advisory, your tax compliance team, that's going to be the first hire that you're going to want to implement. And mm-hmm. again, how I talked about, let's move on to the S Corp. And mm-hmm. that's why your attorney is going to be the second professional that you're going to want to hire because you don't need to be doing those S Corp filings on your mm-hmm. own, right? But also, we're going to need to ensure that we have... Um, our documents in place. So I think one thing that gets missed before we start talking about some of the retirement things, I think one thing that gets missed oftentimes is that the client agreements that we have need mm-hmm. to be enforced, need to be signed. Our mm-hmm. um, you know disclosure agreements and things on our webpage, we need to have those in order too, because there's this thing called business insurance. So Mm -hmm. when you're uh, working with a financial planning firm, who is, in my opinion, the third hire in your team of professionals that you want to be hiring, that's, again, Mm -hmm. when you're into that next level. But we're going to look at something called risk management, risk assessment. And that's making sure that your assets are all covered if something Mm -hmm. were to happen, if a lawsuit were to occur, if um, anything of that sort were to happen. We mm-hmm. have all of your bases covered for insurance, essentially, is what and, I'm talking about. And when you say assets, can can you give mm-hmm. uh, the viewers some examples of what I, I think a lot of people think like physical, tangible assets, but what, what sure. would be like an asset for, say, an online fitness coach? Yeah, it's going to be your revenue. It's going to be your money. It's going to be what you're putting in the bank. It can even be mm-hmm. equity in your home. It can be savings. It can be any of your financial, uh, security essentially. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sh- Oh, go sorry. ahead. What about like IP, like courses, um, uh, systems, anything like that? Would could that be considered an asset? 
it can definitely be an asset, but most of us are not building sellable businesses. So I think it's important mm -hmm. again, and this is what will, I guess, transition us into that retirement conversation because mm -hmm. most of us are not building sellable uh, businesses. Uh, but mm -hmm. yes, some IP could be considered, but I think one thing that we would want to watch more carefully on the IP is trademarking, copywriting, mm -hmm. those sorts of things in which you can um, work with a, you know, copywriter, trademark attorney for those kinds of things too, because you would hate to build out all this material with all of your, you know, logoed or, um, mm -hmm. you know, what you think are your little trademark terms than to get a cease and desist letter from somebody saying, yeah. I have this trademark, you can't use that anymore. And then like Yikes. all of your material is like no good now. Right. And so there's, yeah, that's a cost of doing business too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, makes sense. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. I think that's an important part of it too. Um, another important part of it too is business insurance. So we want to make sure that if um, Coach Sally, for example, is working with a client who comes to the table and says, she has caused me to have an eating disorder and I am suing her now, right? Mm -hmm. Now I have this lifelong condition whether coach Sally did or did not is sure. going to be up to the legal team, the insurance companies, um, things of that nature. So mm -hmm. what the insurance company is going to do, it's going to cover lawsuit expenses, cost of attorneys, all of those things. But also if there is a, a suit that is one, it's going to pay for those damages as well. Nice. But one thing to keep in mind, if we don't have client contracts in place, the claims will not be covered. And mm -hmm. so I think that's one thing that gets missed oftentimes is, oh, I didn't have them sign that, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Every client needs to sign their client Absolutely. agreements. Yeah, so. To piggyback off of that too, like in regard to the assets portion, right? Yeah. I think this part confuses a lot of people too, is like the accounts receivable concept, right? Like mm -hmm. whatever's due, you know, net 12 months. If people aren't signing contracts, if they're signing a month to month at 500, that value of that client's only ever worth what they're paying that month, right? So yes, versus absolutely. if they were to sign for five months for a year, that, that contract value is actually 6,000. How does that, the accounts receivable aspect, how does that play into like the, the overall business? Well, because we are going off of calendar year basis and mm -hmm. the accounts receivable is on a month to month basis because there's not really any... I guess, laws in place to implement a client being on the hook other than the mm -hmm. agreement that they signed, unless sure. you're willing to pay a legal team to back you on that. Mm -hmm. um, we really do have to take that month to month basis, even though our program might be six, nine, 12 months. I we see. do still have to consider that on a month to month basis. We don't want to, I guess, put in our accounts receivable as $6,000 or whatever that may be. We still want to, if we're collecting that payment on a monthly basis, that's how we need to input it into our receivable amount. Does that make sense? Interesting. It does. And that's where I was uh, a little bit unclear because like mm -hmm. when you think about like, what's going to go into like the asset side of the balance sheet, I yeah. wasn't sure if, uh, if, if they sign a contract for, you know, I'm signing a contract to pay you $10,000, but over monthly installments, if that 10,000 would then go in like your short-term assets, or if it would just be like what's received up to yeah. that point, that's where it confuses me a little, which this, yep. 
the viewers probably don't care about this as much, but it was, it was more of like a, a, a personal yeah, question. But if you're looking at it from a, a business coaching aspect, I can see why you'd want to know that. But yeah, absolutely. I would go, I would be inputting it as we're collecting it. I see. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's just one thing. So the insurance piece or the risk management side is always something I want to make sure that everybody is aware of because it is important. And we have seen people have to shut down their businesses because of a bad situation Sad. before. And so you always just want to make sure you have those bases covered because they're very right. simple, maybe $40 yeah. a month, $50 a month. It's not much. I think next insurance is who we recommend people go to. Like it's like yep. a day one thing that they have to sign up for insurance when they work with us. And it's yeah. like, sometimes it's like 15 bucks like for some people. Super yeah. And cheap. it's so easy to do online. It takes minutes to do. Yeah. So get some yep. insurance guys. It's just one of those things. <laughs> it's so cheap. It's so easy. Don't <laughs> it's not something that you should have to regret. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking about retirement and things of that nature, so we have mm -hmm. all of our base layer laid out. We have our, mm -hmm. Um, accounts separated. We're paying ourselves from there. We're saving into our profit. We're saving into our tax. We're doing all of the things. We've mm -hmm. hired our accounting team now. And now we're really looking into, okay, I don't want to have to work this hard when I'm 70 years old. Plus people may not want nutrition coaching when I'm 70 years old. Maybe, maybe there's going to be a demographic for that at that point. But things yeah. are going to shift, right? Yeah. Things are going to change. We might wake up one day and realize, I don't want to do this anymore. And so right. I think it's important to invest in our business because it is such a high return. However, it's important that we diversify. What does diversify mm -hmm. mean? It means we're not putting all our eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. right? It means we're leaving some in another basket in case we do want to do something else in case we do want to build wealth outside of our business, then that's mm -hmm. going to be a way to retire. I don't necessarily resonate with the word retire because I truly enjoy working, right? right. As I'm sure you can too. But, I would go crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can relate to this idea of I want to work when, where, and how I want to work. Exactly. Right? I don't want to have to work because I have to pay my bills. I want to mm. work because I'm choosing to. That's and so I, I, <laughs> that's what I told and, my real estate partner. I said, uh, if, uh, if we can get things in place, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to retire, but I think I'm going to do like river raft guiding. I'm just going to go to the mountains. <laughs> or be a gonna, barista or whatever yeah, you want to do with your I'll life. I'll be a zip yeah. line instructor. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to work cause I have to, I just want to go and have some fun each day. So a zip line instructor. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, now I don't want to get too much into the 401ks, the solo 401ks, the mm -hmm. HSAs, all of these different accounts out there, because it really gets to be a lot. And I know we've kind of already are drinking from a fire hose here. So I'm going, I'm going to leave your listeners with, there are some low hanging fruit strategies that are mm -hmm. important to implement. And We've already talked about one of them, which is the S corp election. So if mm -hmm. you've got an LLC, your CPA can do this little election to create an S corp. All right. Mm -hmm. And then there's things like 
the Augusta rule. If you own your home, you can rent your home to do a podcast or a retreat or something of that sort. If you have kids, mm -hmm. we can hire our kids to work in our business to hold the video camera and record right. a grocery haul. Child or... labor. Let's go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many really cool things that we can do. And, and you mm -hmm. mentioned the G wagon earlier, yeah. right? And yeah. so there's, again, this is tax planning because there's this um, de whole depreciation thing that's been a big mm -hmm. deal. And it's been talked about a lot because there was a rule passed in 2017 for this accelerated depreciation. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. It means some of the assets that we've purchased for our business can be 100%. Uh, we can uh, write off the depreciation 100%. We're accelerating that depreciation when we would typically write that off over five years, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're allowing that depreciation to take effect all in one year. And mm -hmm. so that's what that accelerated depreciation is. However, it's going down and down and down each year. And so 2024, it's actually only up to 60%. So you'll see a lot mm -hmm. less people talking about the G-Wagon and things like that. Next year, yeah. it's going to be 40% and then it goes away unless it's renewed. That's all politics from there, sure. right? Sure. And so those are why we want to talk about tax planning because let's say this year, you had an incredibly amazing year and mm -hmm. you purchased a vehicle in December because you wanted to take advantage of this cool depreciation thing. Well, mm -hmm. now we needed to actually use that this year, right? But we've already bought the vehicle last year. And so now we've got to buy two vehicles and we've kind of just shot ourselves in the foot for having to buy two vehicles. Mm -hmm. So yeah. again, that's why it's tax planning and every situation is different. And so it's important then to hire a tax planner, which is what we do to help you mm -hmm. determine if that's the best uh, path for you to take at that point, or if it's best to save it for another year, or if yes. there's another asset we should depreciate instead, or if maybe we should put that cash into a different opportunity. And, yeah. you know, it's all variable. Yeah. But I will say, until we are saving 20% of our income, mm -hmm. so that W-2 income or that profit that we have, we want to be saving 20% of that for our future. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And it's fun when you have um, different levers to pull. Yeah. Like it becomes, like I said, that conversation made me want to just take a nap, but like it was cool <laughs> to have like some different options on like what to, because like the year before um, we had some options. We had like we, we got to do some more cool stuff this year. So it feels like, yeah, you know, you get like the, the grown up business, I think is how you reference yeah. it. It just feels, it feels fun to have options on, on different uh, tax saving. So where can, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website, fitwealthadvisors.com, or you can find me on Instagram at the fit financial underscore. Beautiful. And Beautiful. yeah, that's how you can find me. And if you have tax planning questions or, you know, anything of that nature. We're here to help with that. Love it. Love it. And then I'll get that link from you uh, for the, the spreadsheets. I'll put that in the description below, guys, so you guys can go down there, check that out. And if you have not already, go ahead, like, subscribe, share with a friend if you found this helpful. I know we dove into like some, some pretty advanced stuff. Um, I, I hope that we we're able to kind of portray it in a, a very simple way. I think Amanda did absolutely incredible here um, with just how she chose to kind of 
layer the cake. I felt like I had a really good visual the entire time. So guys, I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions, you can hit up Amanda, you can hit up me, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day.